It's the Boxed Out Podcast, Episode 6. I'm Harry Worth, and as always, I'm joined by Jack McDonald. Here we are. Let's go. We're back. Our biggest layoff of our podcasting career, but we're back in business, baby. Let's do it. Yes. Um, apologies to our dedicated and devoted fans. Um, it's been a wee while. Um, been very busy times for both Jack and I in our personal lives, and we didn't want to rush anything and compromise on the quality of this podcast by rushing something through. So we've waited until we've both got been able to put it, put aside some solid time, and here we are. Here we are. Couldn't have said it better myself. Now, there's been a ton of things happening so far. Um, last few weeks, been an eventful month of the NBA season. Um, Jack. What do you think? I've just been enjoying the NBA, to be honest, just generally. Like, I can turn on a game and it's a top-of-the-table clash between the Bucks and the Celtics, or I can watch a game between the Pistons and the, and the Pelicans and be loving life. Doesn't matter who's playing, just absolutely loving it. There's so much fun stuff going on, so many good young players, so much drama. It's, it's fantastic right now. Yeah, I, you said a top-of-the-table clash between the Bucks and the Celtics. You could also watch a top-of-the-table clash between the Jazz and the Sacramento Kings. You could. You could. Which, I mean, should we really be surprised now? Uh, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of parody at the moment in the league. Um, the West, in particular, is absolutely stacked. Teams 1-10 to 10 are separated by two games which is just wild. And then below that is the Warriors, um, who we fully expect to come right eventually. It's just wild that, you know, in a week a team can go from 10th, 11th, all the way up to in the midst of the playoff picture. It's just great. I'm loving it. Yeah, yeah. Well, we were just talking about um, the Blazers being such a good team. And look, mm-hmm. they still are, but they were the one seed probably just a week ago. Now they're down in the sixth seed. It's crazy. You're just seeing teams go up and down all the time because it's so close. There's not much separating these teams. And, like, I love it. I absolutely love it. Yeah, I think it's a bit of a wake-up call, really, that you can't look too hard into the exact seeding of a team at the moment. You just you can look at how their best players are playing, how healthy they are, the just the general vibes of the team. And I think that's going to play into the all-star selections eventually. You know, you might have a team that's 10th, a player on a team that's 10th making the all-star team, and normally you'd be thinking, what the hell, that team's not good enough. But because it's all so close, you know, a good week or two, and they could be right up in the picture. Like, we saw that with Trey Young a couple of years ago when he made it, and I think we're going to see the same thing again. Yeah, totally. It's... It's, yeah, I don't, it's, it's just great. It's great. And, yeah, to touch on that, these these teams are just all, I feel like they're all playing so well as well. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not like we're having all these subpar teams, like, grinded out against each other. You're seeing some quality, quality basketball here. And that's in the East as well. It's just making for a great season so far. I can't, I can't wait to see how it unfolds. And honestly, I mean, it's, we're a couple years removed from it, but it feels good to not see the Warriors and the Cavs on the top every single year like we used to. Yeah, it's it's great, great spot that the league's in at the moment. Lots of talent, lots of young talent, and it 
it's very promising for the future. Um, you touched on how fun it is. Teams are scoring really well at the moment, and we put that, you know, part of that's towards the introduction of the take foul, which is um, a foul when you're stopping someone from hitting a fast break or sort of like an intentional foul and most commonly seen on off a rebound or stopping a fast break and that's leading to more transition buckets and higher scoring games and we've got 22 teams averaging 110 points which is just wild i think there are a couple of couple teams that are like 109 that we've i've rounded up there but it's insane that you know like the standard is 110 at the moment yeah that that's a lot of points Mm -hmm. that is a lot of points and yeah a lot of it is probably due due to this um this rule change that we've had recently and you know it makes higher scoring games but also possession to possession you're seeing more highlights Mm -hmm. you know transition is when the defense is backpedaling and the offense has all the momentum and that's when you see these crazy lobs these crazy dunks these pull-up threes it it just adds to the league so much i think it's a it's a great rule change overall yeah lots to love at the moment which is what the exact topic of this podcast is going to be we're just going to keep talking about things that we are loving about the nba at the moment um so many players scoring and like having incredible games as well is just it's so good to see, like, Embiid dropped 59, Garland dropped 51, I think, on the same night, and nobody was talking about it because of how good Embiid was. Curry's had a couple of, you know, mid-40s games, 50-point game. Shea Gilgis-Alexander, 40-point games. Donovan Mitchell, 40-point games. It's just incredible. It's so fun to see these stars showing up. Yeah, it, it's it's good. It's really, really good. And, look, on the other hand... As much as we are enjoying this, I feel like there have been a lot of injuries this year. Mm. And the season is young. There's there's plenty of time for it to all average out and be relatively normal. But I did a bit of research and teams have played at the moment about 17 games, mm-hmm. roughly within a game or two of that. And they, here are some players, some top players. I and I haven't included anyone that has been injured before the season, some top players that have missed over a quarter of their team's games. we got Zach Levine, Joel Embiid, Drew Holiday, Brandon Ingram, Clay Thompson, Desmond Bain, Zion, Fred Van Vliet, Butler, CP3, Ben Simmons, I I can keep going, Cade Cunningham, Damian Lillard, James Harden, Pascal Siakam, and, of course, Kawhi Leonard. All of these players have missed more than a quarter of their team's games. Wow. Yeah. I mean, maybe maybe that's yeah. why everything's so close. Mm. Yeah, possibly. Yeah, yeah it's pre- that, that's pretty crazy. And Some players there know, that don't normally miss that amount of time as well, really. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a few of those guys you'd expect, like Zion, Butler, Clay Thompson, but, you know, a lot of these guys are, have been, are young or have had a healthy record their whole career. Just, just something I wanted to yeah, touch just on. Something, yeah, just something. A little, little negative to this season. Well, and my fantasy teams are not happy. Yes, yeah, I've got. A, I'm struggling a bit in a couple of our leagues as well. Um, anyway, back to the things we love. Now, recent controversy surrounding surrounding Giannis, um, but I actually love 
a few components of this controversy. So just giving you a, a play-by-play of what has happened. So the other day versus Philadelphia, Giannis shot 4 of 15 from the free throw line and they lost. So giving up 11 free points is substantial in a cl- close game like that. So he's like, you know what, I'm pissed. I'm going to put in some work after the game. So he's shooting free throws after the game. And Montrez Harrell, a player from Philadelphia, a player that doesn't really play many minutes and is off the bench, comes out and takes Giannis's ball off him and goes and stands in the corner and is like, you can't shoot here, here anymore. And Giannis is like, bruh, like, come on. And Montrez is just like not giving up. It's just like kids in a playground, like, oh, I'm stealing your ball. Mm. Um... Giannis is like, man, I've only got to hit three more shots and then I'm done with whatever it is I'm doing and then I'll, you know, get out of your way. Montrez still doesn't let up. Giannis goes back to the locker room, grabs two more balls, comes out. Montrez and his trainer are still on the hoop. So Giannis is like, I'm going to go to the other hoop. I'm going to, you know, de-escalate this situation. There is a ladder on the other hoop. Now we've all seen that, well, not all, but most people will have seen the video. Giannis moves the ladder and is like, bro, to the worker, to the um, arena worker, I've got three more makes. The worker puts the ladder back by the hoop, blocking the view. Giannis proceeds to go up to the ladder and push it to the side a bit too hard. The ladder falls over. It looks very aggressive. Um, Luckily, the ladder didn't hit anyone. Otherwise, Giannis would have been hit with a big lawsuit. Mm, that would have been bad. Would have been very bad. But initially, everyone was like, what the hell, Giannis? Because the video got leaked and it looked so bad. It's like, just let this employee, employee do his job. But like at the same time, Giannis is an employee of the NBA. His job is to play basketball, to work hard, get better at basketball. And that's what he's doing. And like he had three more shots. Three more max. Like, I, I get it. He could just like finish his training early. But like... Think about that, like, in the corporate world, right? Like, end of the day, you're, like, using a shared work computer or whatnot, and you're, like, typing out an email, and you've got, like, one one or two more sentences to go, and some some guy from your work is just, like, trying to take the laptop off you, and you're like, bro, I've got, like, one more sentence to write. Let me just finish this email. And they're like, nah, and just take your laptop off you. It's just like, bro, like, it's going to it's gonna take him, like, a minute and a half. I, yeah. yeah. But I've, I've loved that the public have supported Giannis. Initially, it was a bit shaky, but I really feel like everyone's like, actually, respect to this guy for putting in work. Giannis has a pretty squeaky clean record. Everybody loves him. Great role model. And I love that he's had the benefit of the doubt in this situation. Yeah. It's it's good to see. And yeah, when, when the video did come out, the only thing I did see was people talking, talking smack about him. It looked pretty saying, bad. Like, without, well, without yeah, the I context, mean, it did look bad. Yeah definitely um and like even myself i saw that and i was like come on bro like Mm. there's no need to do that and like i understand what you're saying how there's only three more to hit but you can look at that the other way and say well you only have three more to hit you know (laughs) that three more is not going to be the difference between you winning or losing this game well, actually, it might have been, but <laughs> yeah, like it's not going to give you the skill to be able to hit at 
a higher percentage you know it's very minor and on both sides it probably should have been a nothing event mm-hmm. i don't like what montrez is doing this dude has like a record of being an absolute idiot and has just gone and done it again um and for the for the arena workers i read something saying that there, there was actually an event after the game and they had to take the hoops down for the season ticket holders so i understand them i wouldn't put this on them at mm. all because they're literally doing their job they don't get paid millions of dollars and they've probably got families waiting at home they just want to get out of there mm. um but on this and um, you know and saying that you know good on Giannis for not causing a scene as much as a lot of players would have in that same scenario yeah, I mean, with the arena worker, there's definitely a little bit of, like, bias or fandom or whatnot. If you, if I was an arena worker, I would be a fan of the team that I was, at whose arena I was working at. And, you know, that's why they were pulling down, they weren't bothering Montrez while Montrez is putting in work. Um, there's, you know, like, I think there's definitely, like, a little bit of attitude like that, especially in Philly. I mean, they have a reputation. Mm. I'm, I'm glad that Montrez got that work in because um, he had a, Big game today, put up six and seven in fifteen minutes. So Damn, all that without Embiid as well. With all with all that extra work he got he got in ahead of Giannis there, so it worked worked out for him. Yeah. I mean well, look, maybe Giannis really does need that work, bro. Like he's his free throw percentage is at a career low this year. It's the first time he's ever shot below sixty percent from the line. He's having a that that is yeah. like bad bad when you're taking as many free throws as he does, and like it's not just his free throw shooting. His mid range is at twenty nine percent, which is the worst since his rookie season, and his threes are at twenty two percent, which is also the worst since uh, which is the worst since wow. his second season. <laughs> yeah, just uh, who can blame him for wanting to practice? Well, yeah, I'm glad he's got that awareness to know. Hey, I'm leading my team down here and this is going to potentially come back to to bite us just looking at this 48 percent from the free throw line in the last five games wow that's like shack yeah i know what, what, what do we have 11 of 18 4 of 11 4 of 15 5 of 12 Whew. he's getting so many you i mean i would if the alternative is giving up a layup or a dunk to him at the rim i'd be hacking the shit out of him oh totally and like just watching him i remember do you remember when they played against the suns in the finals Mm -hmm. and there was this whole deal about the 10 second violations Mm -hmm. so in the nba when you take a free throw you cannot take longer than 10 seconds from the time you touch the ball to the time you shoot it and there's a refs will call violations of that where you just won't get to take the free throw if you go above 10 seconds. And people started catching on to Giannis taking that long, taking above 10 seconds. And it was a big thing in the playoffs. Like these teams, um, these like fans from other teams were literally counting, counting to 10 while Giannis had the ball at the free throw line to try and A, put him off, but B, make the refs call the violation. And he made a change to his free throw routine then. He sped it up mm-hmm. specifically so he wouldn't get these calls. But now watching him take a free throw, it's like he's gone fully back to his old his old form where he takes this practice shot and 
rolls the ball around in his hands and yeah i don't that, that was just something i noticed maybe mm. it's a partially a mental thing as well yeah i mean it was looking so good for him because in that game he in, in, game, in game six he was um 17 of 19 from the free throw line yeah. all-time game yeah all-time game he had 50 points in that game it's just we if this guy can hit it like 75 percent it just changes the dynamic of that whole team moving on uh something that i've loved the sacramento kings mm-hmm. they're back light the beam baby like they Let's... never left 20 years ago <laughs> well first seven game win streak since 2004 <laughs> 2004 since we were six years old that that's so bad but it's so good i just love it they're back and geez it's not even like lucky wins they're looking fantastic as well mm-hmm. like kevin herder is an absolute revelation for this team he's sprinting all over the place taking these pull-up threes he's he's shooting 49 percent from three on seven attempts a game yeah he's hitting just under four we, we talked about him and the other week before this sort of run happened as mm. something that we've been loving someone that's been playing so well at that time Sabonis was playing quite poorly but he has just improved so much i think him yeah. and him and her are, are such a great combination on the um high handoffs mm. um, it's it's almost Jokic and murray-esque in a way oh this is better than Jokic and murray without a doubt <laughs> don't you dare Oh, ab- absolutely. So bonus, I mean, they've just got such a chemistry. It's a next level chemistry and in only 17 games. I'm, I'm loving it. Yeah, it's uh, fantastic. Alongside Fox as well. Now, he's, I suppose he's the real story. 25 points, six and a half assists, five rebounds, hitting just under two threes a game, shooting mm. 55%. Mm. He's, he's here. He's, he's heard all the doubters. Mm-hmm. And he's here, and he's putting together an all-star campaign at this stage. He's absolutely he's firing. He's firing all, all those criticisms that he's had in the past. Throw them out the window, especially when they traded away Halliburton, because he was, you know, Fox was looking like a big stats, bad team guy, and then mm. Halliburton was looking like the exact opposite. Halliburton is playing like the exact opposite. The Pacers are also doing very well, um, but Fox has become someone that's putting up big numbers is the main guy on a team that is doing very very well 10 wins six losses so far seven game winning streak like you said and they've had a couple of real close controversial losses in down the stretch they could easily be 12 and 4 right now well and like they started 0 and 4 didn't they yeah yeah it's it's yeah quite a run quite a run and when the halliburton trade happened Initially, I was, I felt like everyone was overreacting and thought that the Kings were absolutely stupid for doing this trade. And I thought it was kind of even, but then after the back end of last season, I was sort of like, yeah, nah, the Kings messed up. Halliburton's a stud. Sabonis isn't there. It's not clicking. Maybe they should have traded Fox mm-hmm. instead of Halliburton. Yep. All these things. And now when you see Sabonis clicking with the team, and Fox getting to be Fox, essentially. I've sort of thought, like, it, it's a 
pretty big win-win trade for both teams. Definitely, it's it's kind of like the first reaction whenever the Kings do something. A eh? like, oh, they've they've stuffed up because oh, they've done drafted it. Drafted so- Keegan Murray. Oh, oh no. yeah, but they've just they've done it so many times in the past. You know, Marvin Bagley yeah. over Luka Doncic, and oh, all yeah, all their all the terrible things that make you not have a winning streak longer than seven games in sixteen years. Um, mm. But hey, they're back. They're exciting. We both thought mm. they were going to be play in definites. Um, yeah. We can't go quite as far. I'm not going to go as far as saying that they're going to be like a six top six seed or out of the play in or or whatever. But just with how close everything is, as we discussed earlier. But they are here. They're going to be competing for one of those top ten spots, and I'm going to love watching them, especially when they're dropping 153 on Brooklyn. Yep, yep, well, there you go. That's fun to watch. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, no, they're good. And the shooting will come back to earth. That's one part of this is these guys are shooting at a very, very high level. Unsustainable. Mm-hmm. But look, I'm going to enjoy it while it lasts. Yes, I, I love watching um, good shooting, which is why... For the most part, I haven't enjoyed watching the Lakers this year. But of recently, something I have loved is Anthony Davis. This man is putting on a clinic. His last four games. All right. 37 points, 18 rebounds. 38 points, 16 rebounds, four blocks. 30 points, 18 rebounds, three steals. And today versus the Suns. 37 points, 21 rebounds, 5 steals, 5 blocks. AD is back. And he's doing it without LeBron. I'll let you decide whether, you know, playing with LeBron makes things easier for him or harder for him. But he's looking explosive around the rim. Um, When he catches the ball and he just decides to go up to the rim, he's aggressive. And I mean, he's so big. He's had a few games shooting just so many free throws. He's had games in that that stretch I just mentioned, games of 11 free throws, 7 free throws, 21 free throws, and 16. So you just can't stop him around the rim when he's being aggressive like that. Um, Mm. Something I have noticed, and it does sort of worry me in the long run, especially with his injury history, is just like getting up and down the court and running from like one elbow to the other or screening and then rolling to the hoop like he's just not as mobile as of old but you would sort of expect that but definitely when he decides to go he goes and he's unstoppable when he decides to do that yeah it's it's crazy it's like new orleans ad Mm -hmm. is back recently um i don't know it just makes complete sense to me everything you're saying makes complete sense like he was one of the best players in the NBA. Mm-hmm. He was putting up these sorts of stats at least once a week. You know, he he was doing this night in, night out. And when you say that it's... I don't, it, it feels like a mentality thing with him. Mm. And it, it, I guess a lot of it is his body. And we know he doesn't have the most reliable body. And there's not much he can do about that. But sometimes you watch him a lot of the times in his Lakers years and he just won't, he, he just refuses to play to his strengths. You know, he's always been so good at getting to the line and such a good free throw shooter. And that was 
part of his game was that he would draw a ton of fouls and he was one of the highest field goal guys around the rim and you saying that all these stats about what he's doing it's like well yeah that that's ad yeah and it's he's still i don't know it just feels like a, a switch where he's just clicked it and now now it all it's all working like it used to yeah maybe it's a little bit of like him not relying on lebron as much and thinking actually i need to be the guy here and having that mentality he doesn't have lebron to bail him out like maybe i'm not i'm not 100 sure but yeah like you said he's one of the best free throw shooting bigs he didn't have a great season from the line last year but he's been 88 percent over the stretch which is what you want from a big man but yeah i mean the movement does concern me just a little bit but it's nice to see that like in those in the moments when he needs to explode he can which is probably what happens when you get a bit older you become a bit more deliberate with when you explode you're not like jar Morant or russell westbrook of old just like turboing everywhere trying to dunk everything you can you sort of you have to conserve that energy you have to conserve your body you've only got so many big jumps in your life in your legs and mm. with his legs he probably has a few less than everybody else mm, yeah and part of that is he was forced to put on weight by by the lakers pretty much to bulk up and play center um not his natural position obviously he has all the tools to play center and on the surface you can say well yeah the lakers don't have a center he should play more play more center minutes the downside to that is what you're saying where he is laboring a bit more not looking as as mm. explosive but it takes a lot away from his strengths which you know being the best vertical threat in the league mm-hmm. what the like is not helped by putting on weight what the what they like the lakers need him to be is you know because he's got such a mismatch when he's playing center right it's only against a very few select number of bigs that are going to do serious damage in the paint that he can't go up against your Embiid's, your Jokic's, um your yannis's those sort of guys you don't want him up against but against you know a sabonis or a steven adams or a Jonas valentinus or someone that's not quite as aggressive on the offensive end he's okay with but the lakers do need to have you know one or two backup bigs that can eat up you know 10 to 18 minutes a game at that center position so he's just not taking as many bumps um when they won Mm. a chip the chip a few years ago that's what javel mcgee and dwight howard did they were only there to catch lobs set screens grab rebounds and bump with the other big guys so anthony davis didn't have to do that yeah and it worked it did it worked you, yeah you want ad playing the four um i don't look i don't think there's a solution i mean you've got what thomas bryant <laughs> there but i don't think there's an immediate solution to filling that hole for the lakers um they're gonna have to play ad at the five and we're talking about this like it's the worst thing on earth he can play the five it's just bad it's i personally like it most nights it's just against those select few bigs that are going to cause damage that i'm a bit more apprehensive yeah you got to conserve him Mm -hmm. Um, absolutely or bring back dwight who is absolutely killing it in 
is it Thailand? He looked incredible. Ta- or uh, Taiwan. 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 Yeah, Taiwan. Oh, he looked amazing in the highlights I saw, but then I saw that he was actually 2 of 10 from 3, and I was like, oh, okay, maybe it wasn't as... Has, I don't think he has ever gotten close to taking 10 threes in a game in the NBA. Yeah, I definitely don't think he's ever taken 10 threes a game, but he's having fun, and I love to see it, and something else I love to see, someone else I love to see having fun is Russell Westbrook coming off the ve- off the bench. I didn't think we would ever see him do this and be willing to do it and to seemingly enjoy himself while doing it and I'm quite I'm quite proud of him for realizing that coming off the bench is something he needed to do to prolong his career and to still play a role on a NBA team, um, especially one that, you know, as bad as they are, does have aspirations to be successful. Um, he's been really, really good. Well, I mean, really, really good for Russ and who he's been the last few years, averaging 15 points, four and a half rebounds, 10 assists. Now, this is with LeBron out, but I still think that there's some something there and something that we will we'll see carry on, on once um, LeBron gets back. But, I mean, his field goal percentage is still bad, but he is hitting 35% of his threes, which is at least serviceable for him. Um, He's shooting the most threes he ever has, and they're better looks than before. They're not just the crazy pull-ups early in the shot clock. And he's also got the highest number of shots at the rim, highest percentage of shots. More importantly, he's shooting the lowest percentage of shots ever from the mid-range which is a something that's been a real problem for him in the past. I know. Thank you. Thank you. No more of those terrible pull-up, elbow jump shots, contested. Just, you know, he's got that real, like, quick stop-jump vertical, mm-hmm. and they just they just brick, and they just, like, a heavy brick, a clanking brick. Um, but, yeah, he's been a lot better, and it's really encouraging to see. I'm really happy that, Darvin Ham has kept him coming off the bench even with the injuries the Lakers have suffered just because it's like, no, this is your role. This is what you're going to do. We're not going to confuse you. We're not going to drag you in and out and change your minutes and this, that and the other. This is your role. Get used to playing it. And he has gotten used to it. He's rocked the baby a few times and I love it. Yeah, I, I didn't think this day would ever come. I thought he was one of those dudes that was just never ever going to accept it and would just bounce around the league trying trying to i don't know trick some team into signing him so he can go out and <laughs> be the starting point guard and lose some games be a tank commander but he's i mean he's he's done it he's gone and done it he's done what everyone has said he should do and Surprise, surprise, everyone was saying it for a reason. It's working. Mm-hmm. He's actually flourishing in this role, um, which, I don't know, not that crazy to me because I thought he should have been doing this in the first place, and I'm sure you yep. probably thought the same. Mm-hmm. Um, it's there, Something must have happened because his mindset has completely changed. I remember in one of our first episodes we went on a massive rant about him and how he's taking these terrible shots. And we even specifically talked about this one shot 
against the Trailblazers, where he pulled up for this this long two, completely ill-advised, bricked it, and close then, game. Yep, close. A few game, seconds left. Yeah, just the worst worst possible shot you could take, and we were just grilling him. Um, so to see him cut that out is pretty good. I think I saw a stat since that game and that shot. He's only taken one mid-range jumper with 10 seconds or more left on the shot clock. So he's completely cut that cut that out, which, look, it might not be reflecting in the win total right now for the Lakers, but it's about as an encouraging sign as you can get for this team right now. It's, uh, and it's mm-hmm. good to see. And it's good for him as well, you know? He, yeah. We saw Carmelo Anthony sort of resent that change a few years ago with OKC when the reporter was like, yo, are you going to come up, come off the bench? And he went to Paul George. He's like, hey, yo, P, he thinks I'm coming off the bench. And, you know, like, he, it was ridiculed. It was like he ended up being blackboard from, by the league for a couple of years after that. But, yeah, I'm, I'm happy for us. I'm happy for what it might mean. I don't think Lakers aren't going to win anything this year. But at least, you know... It's a positive sign in a world of negative for them right now. Uh, yeah, it's a start. It's a start. Um, yeah, and off the back of that, jumping from one bench player to another, I want to talk about Christian Wood and the Mavericks. More specifically, mm-hmm. this whole team and their dynamic. Because obviously, we love what Luke is doing right now. We absolutely we love, love it. it. We love it. He is going nuts every single night, going absolutely nuts. He's got the highest points per game in the league. He's going crazy. Um, But one thing that's come from that um, is we've seen Luca and his coach, Jason Kidd, say that Luca's been fatigued and that he's tired and he can't do this all season. Um, And look, it makes sense with what the guy is doing right now. And a stat that sort of points to that is usage percentage. So usage percentage, it essentially calculates the percentage of team plays that a player was involved in. Um, it goes off like field goals attempted and turnovers and that sort of stuff. But it's a pretty good idea of how much one guy is carrying a team. So as there are five players on a basketball court, you'd expect someone's usage percentage to be around 20%. Probably a bit higher, pushing up to 30 for those star-level players, um, but for the most part, above or below 20%. Luca's usage percentage is at 38.3% this year. (laughs) That's all-time level carry from Mm -hmm. Luca. If he was to continue at that pace for the whole season, he would be at seventh all time. Only behind full seasons from guys like Jordan, Kobe, Westbrook, and Harden. Those are the only guys with full seasons with a higher usage usage percentage. Jeez, that's hard to say a lot. (laughs) But Luca has got right now. Um, And then look... Well, yeah, uh, it's. I was yeah. to say it's wild. Like James Harden, a couple of years ago, he had two seasons in a row averaging mid thirties. I think one of them was like thirty six or thirty seven, doing this 
every single night, all 82 games of the season. Mm. And I suppose it's caught up to him a little bit the last couple of seasons. He's been a lot more injured um, lately. But for two full years, this is what this guy did. He had some terrible shooting nights, which you know perhaps indicated that he was getting tired. But he wasn't resting games like this, you know, 17 games into the season. It's just, it puts it in pers- into perspective, well, it puts Harden into perspective. He, that, that season that he had with, what was it, 36 points per game, mm. that is Dirty. an all-time season, and it is a travesty that he did not win MVP that year. Yep. Anyway, it does put it in, into perspective, because... Jeez, that that was a season. That was an incredible season. And Luca, so far, I mean, look, the points aren't quite as high, but they're just about there. Mm-hmm. He's, he just he, he just does everything. He is the offense. He's everything revolves around him. And yeah. I, I speaking of the tiredness, I saw that like his shooting percentage gets progressively worse throughout the game. Like he he's averaging like thirteen points in the first quarter, and then like four in the fourth. Yeah, and it's just like because he's doing so much the whole game he's just getting more tired and more tired and more tired and i mean he's been known to come in a little bit unconditioned but i mean he has had a busy busy off season going from um the playoffs to Eurobasket, and then straight into training camp more or less so i suppose Mm. it does make sense that he is tired but he is doing a lot yeah well the worrying thing is we're 16 games into the season, 17 games into the season, you know, we're not, we're not even a quarter of the way in and we're getting these quotes from Jason Kidd and Luca himself saying that, that, that Luca's going to have to intentionally rest. And I think Jason Kidd said, if he keeps this up by Christmas, he's not going to be a human being anymore. (laughs) I mean, which is fair. Like I'm not having a go at Luca at all. If he wasn't on this team, you know, they'd be down there at the bottom with, with the rest of these terrible teams. So, look, credit to him. But the thing that I don't understand, and going back to Christian Wood here, he is head and shoulders, their second best player, by a country mile, and he's just festering away on the bench. He, he wants to be out there. He's had quotes to the media saying he thinks he should be starting, and he's not. And it's not just the starting... He's not finishing games either. He's only had one game this entire season where he has been in the closing lineup of a game. Well, look, I can understand it. Game to game, sure. Possession to possession, even. You might not want him out there when the other team's going to be intentionally fouling. Or if you need him to guard a big that's going to want to score. <laughs> there are situations where you don't want him out there. But he is so clearly their second best player. And there's these issues with Luca being fatigued. It, does it not just make logical sense if you play your second best player more, mm-hmm. your best player is going to have a load taken off their backs? At um, least a little bit. Yeah, I mean, look, even if it only helps 5 or 10%, mm-hmm. that over the course of a season you know that's going to help Luca stay healthy and fresh for the playoffs and Luca and Christian Wood together on the court they have 
of any two-man combination on the Mavericks, they have the highest shooting percentage and best offensive rating uh, above 10 minutes played. But still, like, <laughs> it's... The numbers... It's a no-brainer. It's a no-brainer. I like... I don't know. I'm not a coach. I, I cannot say for certain whether this is the best idea, but when you're coming out with all these quotes about Luca being tired, doesn't it make sense to play your second best guy more than 25 minutes? Now he's <laughs> averaging... Christian Wood is averaging the highest points per game out of any player in the league this year, averaging 25 minutes or less. Wow. It's him. Damn. He's, he's the only Damn. guy. Give him 30. Give him 30. At, What's at the worst least. that can happen? Yeah, at least. You know, yeah. It's... He might not be great on defense, but on offense, they're going to blow any team out the water just running a two-man game between them. It just gives them a different a second option, doesn't it? Yeah. It, yeah, it does. It really does. It's it's baffling to me. Um, mm. I love what Luke is doing, but yeah. Yeah. There you said you're not a coach play. just before, but I think, you know, you wouldn't be the first NBA media person to take the, take the jump to the sideline. So if you want to put your name in the hat for the next coaching job that comes up, I would be, I'd be supporting you, mate. Look, man, once, once the Boxed Out podcast starts circulating around up in those NBA, NBA chats, up in the, with your the, name will the be. powers that be, I'm going to be there and I'm going to be, be getting some phone calls. 30 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I love that from you. Yeah. Um, well, on to something else I love. And this, look, maybe not everyone loves this, but the Warriors are down so bad right now. And I kind of love it. I kind of love it. Just a little bit. Even though, look. You're I've a sad, sad man. I've said it before and we say this to each other a lot. We're fans of excellence. <laughs> and we, we, love, we love a bit of excellence. But, Bro, you're a Nuggets fan. Oh, mate. Look, I'm bred through excellence. I've grown up watching excellence. Um, anyway, the Warriors. There's no secret that they're struggling right now. Um, mm -hmm. Look, I say that I love it and as a bit of a joke. It, they should be doing better. And um, Curry is having a fantastic season right now. He's um, like quite clearly in the MVP race if the Warriors won a few more games. But for me, just from watching this team um, and reading about them a bit, the, th the issue, I think, is that they're trying to be two teams at once. They mm -hmm. want to be this top three seed in the West contender, you know, making it to the conference finals at the very least. But on the other hand, they're also trying to be a team like one of these young teams developing their guys so when there is a team around them they can flourish it's not working the young guys not including Paul Paul is clearly a step above but trying to integrate these young guys into the team it's it's not working so far um and look I think the Warriors staff really need to make a decision soon if they're going to continue playing Wiseman and trying to get this guy to... He's down in the G out. League now, so they've they've semi-made a decision with him. Is he? Yeah, he's oh. he's out of there. Oh. Out of there down in the G League. Yeah. 
there, there is only one decision that you can make here. There's only one way to go, and that is to contend. You've got Steph Curry having, you know, a more effective season than his unanimous MVP year, essentially, averaging 32 points, six and a half rebounds, seven assists. This guy is incredible. He's more efficient than ever. Um, his true shooting percentage, so true shooting percentage being a combination of your field goal percentage, three-point percentage, and free-throw percentage, adjusted for the value of the points scored in each of those, going to some of the previous NBA true shooting percentage leaders. Last year, we have Rudy Gobert leading the league at 73, Jared Allen at 69.5, Montrezl Harrell up there at 68, Jokic at 66, Zubac at 66. So we're talking about centers, big guys that are only shooting around the rim. Steph Curry, the six foot three man, running around the three-point line, non-stop, moving, shimmying, getting around, getting into the paint, finishing amongst the trees. So far this season, his true shooting percentage is just under 70%, mm. which is insane for someone yeah. his size. That. There's only one way to go. You you contend. You do everything you can to contend. And yeah, the Warriors said that they were going to sort of evaluate things 20 games in. So we're 17 games in. So, you know, a few more games just to see how things are going. But the only right decision is to either make a trade or adjust your rotation to play your top guys because they cannot waste the season of Steph's anymore. Yeah, it's like I would get it if they're you know, a top six seed and they can afford to develop these young guys. They cannot right now. They cannot. They're outside of the play-in. They cannot. And another another thing on top of this is that this is not just a feeling from watching the games. Mm. Um, if you look through lineup data, the lineup of Curry, Clay, Wiggins, Draymond, and Looney, which is essentially their championship five, like their their vets that all know the system, most minutes together played on the team. They have a net rating of twenty seven, which yeah. means essentially mm -hmm. over the course of a game they would outscore their opponents by twenty seven points. Whereas overall as a team including that lineup just how they are today their net rating is negative 2.3 that difference is insane mm -hmm. it's wow. that lineup not even on the warriors if you look at the top 20 lineups based on minutes played five-man lineups that specific warriors lineup is head and shoulders above in net rating the only close mm. ones are the Kings and the Nuggets. Um, but you can literally just look through this lineup data and see that the lineups that include these young guys, it, it just doesn't work. It, not so far this season, it hasn't worked. Yeah, I think there's, I mean, there's definitely something else going on there chemistry-wise, which is really, really weird to say off a team coming off a championship that is known for its chemistry. No doubt the Jordan Poole and Draymond Green situation has played into that a little bit, but I definitely think with you know some of those young guys being Wiseman, 
Moody and Kaminga, they're not afforded the same leash as other young guys to go out there, play, make mistakes, learn from them. Because they're on such a tight rope, they don't have that much room for error. And they're playing on the same team as Clay Thompson, who is making those same mistakes, taking the same terrible shots, but is being given chance after chance after chance. And, I mean, he deserves those chances. He is a top three shooter ever. Absolutely deserves those chances. But... As a young guy, you're looking at someone getting so many chances, but they're shooting 38% from the field, 37% from three, barely getting to the free throw line, not doing much else, you know, a bit more limited on defense than previous. And you you'd sort of grow some sort of animosity towards them or resentment, just like, why, why am I not being given those same chances? And Clay is, well, he's a streaky shooter. We all know this. He can go off like he did last game, 41 points, 10 out of 13 from three. But this has been a 16-game slump for him, really. And mm. we don't know how much longer it's going to continue. He might be fine from this game. You know, he might have hit 10 threes and be like, yo, I've seen the ball go through the rim like, and be all good. But there's definitely something to watch out for there um, with those young young fellas. Yeah, I- for Clay, I, I, we all know who he is. We all know who he has been. And yes, he deserves the opportunities, but the, the past is the past. It's happened. It's, um, you know, they're not, they're not a, a team that should be at this, like, at this placement in the, in the standings. They should be up higher. And I, do, I would understand if it was, you know, Steph and Clay the old Splash Brothers, you know, they're in their late 30s, they, you know, they get a, a, a farewell tour and it's not, you know, it's abundantly clear that the Warriors are not trying to win, but this year they are. And look, for Clay, mm. when when does a slump turn into the norm? Exactly. Um, uh, yeah. Th- I still think they're going to figure it out. I'm calling that now. Um, we saw the Celtics figure it out late later on in the season last year. I still think it's a long, long way to go. You know, we saw what the Kings have done in the last week in a bit, you know, win a few games on the trot, get going, get the momentum, figure out who you are. There's still time. It's, yeah, I just have loved watching Steph so much this year that it's a shame to see it going to waste. I'm not quite as pessimistic as you enjoying watching a team's failure, but... (laughs) Each to our own. Oh, come on now. Come on now. I I, <laughs> I, I can't love them after yeah. what they did to my, my poor Nuggets last year in the playoffs. Jordan Poole dancing on us. Anyway, yeah, the Warriors, look, I agree with you. I think they'll be okay. There, there, is, there is no way they can be as bad as they have been, especially when they have this lineup that is killing the game. They'll sort it out, um, but yeah, look, and it's it's not just a sorted out where you keep doing the same thing. It's a sort of it's a sorted out where changes need to be made. Um, hmm. So I guess look, that's that's something we'll probably see soon. Um, you, you you cannot keep wasting Steph Curry, 
40 plus point games. No, you cannot. And a player that isn't being wasted, that I love, that we love, that this podcast loves, our man, Shay Gilgis Alexander. He is still averaging 31 points, still averaging four and a half rebounds, still averaging six assists, still shooting it, lights out, 50% field goal, 50% from three. 86% 86% from the free throw line in his last five games. A couple of big ones in there. A game winner. A step back three game winner over the Wizards. Oh, it was nasty. He's and to, him. He is him. And to top it all off, yeah, sticking with the him theme, he posts on Instagram that he is Himmy Carter, a reference to a former American president. Only relevant because the game winner was in Washington, D.C., Mm. love that from him yeah you, look you, you did your president research didn't you yeah i think he was like Jim, jimmy carter was like 33rd or 37th president of wow, america really something did, like, did something like that. i did i hope our um american listeners don't get upset at me for that but anyway yeah just absolutely loving watching shay probably my most watched team this year even over the lakers just because they're just so fun to watch he's so fun um Mm. and yeah the boxed out podcast campaign for shay gilgis alexander to be an all-star remains full steam ahead yeah you're right it does and it still just rolls so nicely off the tongue doesn't it i reckon i nailed that i've I've been practicing and look i mean i'm look i'm telling everyone Of, of course it rolls off the tongue for us Yes, absolutely love that. Love the NBA season so far. So many things that are cool happening at the moment. It's been great. Um, More stuff coming in the future. We've got a real busy run up until the Christmas break. So we'll try bang out a few episodes before Christmas um, as time permits. But thank you to everyone for listening to episode six. Make sure you follow our Spotify five-star ratings check us out on instagram at boxed out pod flick us a dm on instagram if you have any questions or feedback or anything like that if we get enough questions we might answer a few next episode we'll see how we go yeah thank you for listening thank you everyone we'll catch you next time